Today I want to go to Luke chapter 1. We'll begin reading at verse 39 and we'll go through verse 56. Let's read the text. We'll have a word of prayer and then we'll walk through it. In those days, Miriam set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she exclaimed with a loud cry, You are most blessed of women, and your child and your child will be blessed. How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside me. She who has believed is blessed, because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. And Miriam said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed because the Mighty One has done great things for me and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, mindful of his mercy, just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Miriam stayed with her about three months. Then she returned to her home. Let's pray. What we need right now for you to do, Father, is to clear our minds of any thoughts and things that are going through our head that would cloud a good understanding of this text of Scripture here, this beautiful Sabbath day. Uh, we pray that you'd open up our ears and our, and our eyes and our hearts to be able to receive your word, the true word of you, Yahweh. Uh, Father Yahweh, bless us now. Through your word, we glorify you. We praise you. Through your son, we pray. Amen. So Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 39, what we have here is a visitation from one woman, one young woman, going to visit an elderly woman. But both women have had miraculous births. What a visitation this would be. You know, as they say, I would love to be a fly on the wall of Zechariah's house to hear everything that Miriam shared with Elizabeth. The first thing I want to point out before we get into the text is this, something that I believe that Miriam understood and that we need to understand. The last time we touched on Luke chapter 1, we ended with verses 36 through 38, and most of that is the words of the angel Gabriel. And Gabriel tells Miriam in verse 36, And consider your relative Elizabeth, even she has conceived a son in her old age. 
And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with Yahweh. So Gabriel had told Miriam what had happened with her relative Elizabeth. It was an encouragement to Miriam. A miracle was happening inside of her womb. I believe that she conceived before she exclaimed verse 38 or at least shortly thereafter. She had already conceived the Messiah. Elizabeth obviously had already conceived Yohanan, John, John the Baptist. Probably would be better if we called him John the Baptizer. When the Bible calls him John the Baptist, it doesn't mean, it does not mean that he belonged to the First Baptist Church of Jerusalem, right? No, he was a baptizer. He baptized people, he immersed people in water. Two miraculous children, two miraculous births. Mary understood, after Gabriel had told her, Mary understood that fellowship brings encouragement. So she goes and visits Elizabeth. Do you believe that today, that fellowship brings encouragement? When you have something to share with somebody, a word, something fitly spoken, a gift, you go to them and you share it with them and you share it to them with joy, with an uplifting attitude. You encourage them in the, in the holy faith of Yahweh. That's what Miriam was doing. She said, I'm going to go. I'm just a young teenage girl, but I'm going to travel all the way down to where my relative Elizabeth lives. And it probably was anywhere between 70 to 100 miles. On foot, maybe by way of donkey or camel, maybe. This wasn't just, let's jump in the car and go visit the Roberts family, right? It'll take us you know, 20 minutes by way of vehicle. No, this was a journey that would take three, four days for Miriam to, to go on. She might have went by herself. We don't know. She might have had people with her. But she went to visit her relative because she wanted to bring her a word of encouragement. Listen, Elizabeth, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but she's going to say, look, you've not only conceived, but something's happened in my womb too. So it says in verse 39, in those days, probably going back to the sixth month there of verse 36, uh, Miriam set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah. Uh, remember, Miriam lived in a town called Nazareth. That was in the northern territory of Israel. The hill country of Judah was down here towards Jerusalem. So Mary was traveling south in the land of Canaan. Verse 40, where she entered Zechariah's house and she greeted Elizabeth. Now when the text says that she greeted Elizabeth, we should not interpret that with our 21st century American mindset. As though I greet Brother Tim and I say, hey Tim, how are you? And he says, I'm doing fine. How are you? And then it's over with. That's not what this word greeted Elizabeth means. Greeted means Miriam came to her and explained to her everything that had happened to her. Greetings in the Hebrew mindset, the Israelite mindset, were long, enjoyable, as though she sat down and said, look, I want to greet you with good news from up in the northern territory. Something has happened. You're not the only one that has conceived a child. That's what Miriam is doing here in verse 40. And notice in verse 41, we know that that's the case in the word greeting because in verse 41 it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside of her. Well, what was Miriam's greeting that she heard? 
I believe that it was the news that Miriam had conceived the Son of God. Elizabeth hears it. The baby who is six months old, he's not even outside of the womb yet. He leaps. Now, any of you husbands, your wife has become pregnant, and she says, feel the baby. You can feel the baby move later on, maybe in the late second to third trimester of the pregnancy. You see the little feet come up and roll around the stomach, right? Babies move in their mother's wombs. I think that this was more than that. I do. I think that Elizabeth recognized that what took place was that the baby was being filled with the Holy Spirit just like her. Do you remember back in Luke 1, I believe it's verse 15, where Gabriel tells Zechariah when he's inside the temple, your child will be great and he will be, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. So you cannot tell me that a child inside of a womb, John the Baptist is only six months in the gestation period, is not a person. He was able to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He was able to do one of these, which means that, brothers and sisters, if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, it is something that is exciting. It is something that makes you want to leap like John. And as verse 42 says, Elizabeth exclaimed with a loud cry. It's okay to get loud sometimes. doesn't prove your point anymore if a preacher is talking. Whether he speaks quietly or loudly, it doesn't prove his point. But it's okay to get loud because you're excited about what you're talking about. And so Elizabeth exclaims with a loud cry. Why? Because she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe at that time, Yohanan was also filled with the Holy Spirit inside of his mother's womb. See, abortion is murder. It is. It's murder. And for a lot of people in our nation today, the nation of the United States of America, abortion is not murder. They think that it's okay. I heard a woman say one time on a television show that the reason that she believed that abortion was okay is because the Supreme Court gave her the right to believe that. Well, that's not Yahweh's court when they rule against Yahweh's laws. Yahweh's law is the supreme law of the land, right, Brother John? His law is up here. Anytime man's law contradicts Yahweh's law, we go with Yahweh and not with man. We disobey governmental authorities when they try to tell us to do something that contradicts Yahweh's law. We disobey them. We need proof of this. I taught through the book of Daniel. We have two cases in the book of Daniel. One with the three Hebrews where they said, when you hear the musical instruments, you bow down to the idol. The three Hebrews said, nope. doesn't matter what the government tells us to do. We're not going to do it because it violates the first and second commandment. Then we have Daniel. You pray to any god or man except Darius for 30 days and you get thrown into the lion's den. And what did Daniel do? He went right back up to his room, opened his window, faced Jerusalem, and continue to pray. You violate man's law when it contradicts the law of the heavenly father. doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says or rules saying that abortion is okay, legal. They might can make it legal, but they will never make it lawful. 
Do you catch that? There's a difference between the two. They might can legalize it, but they will never lawfulize it. Not in Yahweh's eyes. The baby leaped inside of his mother's womb, brothers and sisters. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe John was. Luke one fifteen. You can parallel those texts. She exclaimed. She got loud. How many know that the Holy Spirit was not only given to people after Yeshua shed his blood? A lot of times people think that Acts chapter 2 was the first time that anybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's not the case. Now that was a great feeling in Acts chapter 2, let me tell you. It was a wonderful thing. I've taught on that before. But people experienced the feeling of the Holy Spirit prior to Acts chapter 2. This is two cases right here. One of them exclaims with a loud cry and she prophesies to Miriam, you are the most blessed of women and your child will be blessed. So Elizabeth prophesies and the babe that's filled with the Holy Spirit leaps for joy. Two feelings of the Holy Spirit prior to Acts 2. We have this in the Tanakh or in the Old Testament time period. She tells Miriam, you are the most blessed of women and I would tend to agree with her. Well, I think I would have to agree with her because if she's pronouncing something from the Holy Spirit, then it will be accurate. Verse 43. Elizabeth says, How could this happen to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In other words, she's exclaiming, Wow! This is in my family. You're my relative. And the mother of my Lord the Hebrew there, my Lord would be, the word for Lord in Hebrew would be Adon. My Lord would be Adoni. And she's saying, look, the mother of the one that's been prophesied about all through the Tanakh, you're coming to me and telling me about this. How could this be? A word of, of exclamation. How is this happening to me? Wow. What's she saying? Verse 44. For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. She who has believed is blessed because what was spoken to her by the Lord will be fulfilled. Miriam did believe, didn't she? When the angel told her what was going to happen, she didn't doubt. She said, let it be done according to the word of Yahweh to me. And so then Mary praises. Mary speaks out and praises. Verse 46, it says, And Miriam said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Notice, and this is a technical point, but I want you to notice this here in the text. Let's do a little bit of exegesis here. You see where it says the Lord in verse 46? A little pronoun there, a little article before the word Lord is the. Back in verse 43, Elizabeth says, How could this happen to me that the mother of, what does she say? My Lord should come to me. I think that this is a reference back to Psalm 110 verse 1 where we have two lords. David speaks by the Spirit and says, the Lord said to my Lord. The Lord in Hebrew is Adonai or the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh. My Lord is Adon or Adoni with the my. The word Lord is just Adon. Putting the my in front of it in the Hebrew would be Adoni. This is not to say that Yeshua cannot be called the Lord. There are times in the New Testament where he's called the Lord with the article the behind the word Lord because the word Lord is the Greek word kurios and it's used of Yahweh, it's used of Yeshua, it's also used of human authorities. 
But in context here, we have, just like in Psalm 110, we have two lords being spoke about. One is called the Lord, and the other one's called my Lord. I think it's a reference back to Psalm 110, verse 1. So Miriam says, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. This is significant when you're talking to Roman Catholics because they believe that Miriam really doesn't need to be saved. They think that she was born without the stain of what they call original sin, that she did not die. They believe in something called the bodily assumption of Mary. Brother Randy and I listened to a debate the other day with a Protestant versus a Roman Catholic. The Roman Catholics believe in the bodily assumption of Mary. They don't know when this happened, but they believe that Mary was taken up to heaven without death and that she is what's called co-mediator with the Messiah and co-redemptrix with the Messiah. And this is why when Roman Catholics pray, part of their prayer is, Hail, H-A-I-L, Mary, Mother of God. Now, I've got major problems with that prayer all the way through it. This text in Luke 147, she says, My spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. See, Yahweh was her Savior too. She had to be saved from her sins. Right? Do we believe? Mary was a sinner. She needed to have salvation. Verse 48 says, Because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his slave. She's referring to herself there as the slave. Yahweh has looked with favor. He's looked with grace upon the humble condition of his slave. We're going to see as we finish out this text the theme again is Yahweh giving honor and grace to the humble. Yahweh bringing down the, the proud and the mighty, toppling them over, crashing them. But the humble, He gives grace and He gives honor to. She goes on in verse 48 to say, Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. And she is blessed to be the mother of the Messiah. Verse 49 though, look where she gives the praise. Because the mighty one... Greek word there is dynatos, where we get the word dynamite. It means power and strength. Yahweh here is called the dynatos in the Greek because the mighty one has done great things for me. In other words, why does Miriam say that she's blessed? Because of her? No. She says it's because the mighty one has done great things for me. See where our attention should always be? Anytime that we feel blessed, we should say, the mighty one has done great things for me. We should never point it to us. We should never think it's because we're such a great person or because we've got so many great talents. We wouldn't have any of that if it weren't for the Mighty One having done great things for us. Always put the emphasis on Him. Stay lowly, stay humble. He'll continue to honor you. Then she says that His name is holy. His name is set apart. And that is a reference to the Tetragrammaton, I believe there, the name of Yahweh. Verse 50 his mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear Him. This is a take on Exodus 20 in the Ten Commandments. It's the second commandment where it says that He visits the iniquity of the Father on the children to the third and the fourth generations of those that hate Him, but He shows faithful love and mercy upon thousands of them that love Him and keep His commandments. That's what Miriam has in mind here. He has mercy on generation to generation on those who fear Him. 
It's the same thing. You remember that verse in the Torah, and also I think it's in the book of Psalms, where it says that His mercy and His faithful love is to a thousand generations. thousand generations is just a Hebrew idiom, meaning it continues to go to those that fear Him. It's just like when the Bible says He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. It doesn't mean if you count a thousand hills and then you come to the thousand and first hill that He doesn't own the cattle on that one. No, he owns that one too. He owns the cattle on a million hills. It's a figure of speech that Yahweh is saying, look, he owns everything. And he's faithful to a thousand generations. Hebrew idiom meaning forever and ever and ever he'll be faithful to those that fear him. He'll have mercy and show his faithful love on the lowly. Verse 51. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. Miriam has referenced herself as the slave of Yahweh, the servant of Yahweh. But in verse 51, what has he done? What has he done with his strong arm? He scattered the proud. Why? Because of the thoughts of their hearts. They thought, well, I'm good in and of myself. I'm braggadocious. I'm going to boast. He scattered all them. The Messiah wasn't born to a princess. The Messiah wasn't born to somebody that had all the wealth in the world. The Messiah was born to somebody that lived in a town whose name was not even mentioned in the Old Testament for the most part. A little bitty town called Nazareth. When they said, we found the one that the law and the prophets did write about, Yeshua from Nazareth. He said, can anything good come from there? Lowly, but he scattered the proud. Verse 52, he has toppled the mighty from their thrones. Remember when we studied through the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar? He thought that he ruled over the entire earth. He's even called the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the book of Daniel. I think Daniel even calls him that. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, live forever. You are a King of Kings and a Lord of Lords. And Nebuchadnezzar walked on the roof of his palace and he thought that he had everything. And what did Yahweh do? Took his mind from him. Made him go out and live with the animals in the field until his nails grew like the claws of a bird and his hair was as frilly as feathers until he finally recognized at the end, and I believe Nebuchadnezzar was regenerate at the end, he finally recognized that the Most High is one that all the glory should go to. He rules in the kingdom of men. No man can pull his hand up when he puts it down. 52 says he has toppled the mighty from their thrones, but he has exalted the lowly. Humble yourselves in the sight of Yahweh. Don't try to make a reputation for yourself. Humble yourself. You know? Then I hear some guys on the radio. I won't name any names. Brother Arnold would if he was up here. (laughs) Some guys try to act like they are humble, but in reality, while they're trying to act humble, you know that they're really acting prideful. Because they want you to know just how lowly of a man they are. Right, Brother Randy? You know what I'm talking about. Listen, what we've got here, to the people out in the world, maybe even the church world to a large degree, you may not think it's much. But Yahweh's given us great knowledge and wisdom here at this assembly and congregation. But it's not because we're so smart. It's simply because He has grace on those who 
fear His name. And we say, here I am, Yahweh. Use me. I'm nothing but a piece of clay in your hands. And as long as you keep that attitude, brothers and sisters and children, little Isaiah, as long as you have that attitude, son, that you are nothing and Yahweh is everything, Yahweh will always use you in life. And when He uses you for His glory, and when He sets you before kings, and He sets you before nobles, do not lose the humiliated mindset that you have. Continue on with that humiliated mindset. Continue on with it. If you want Him to continue showing you honor, and continue exalting you, and setting you before kings and nobles, as Proverbs says, you continue to have a lowly, humble state of mind. And Yahweh will continue to use you for His glory. As soon as you get that haughty attitude, and as soon as you think that you had something to do with it, and the reason that you received the message of truth was because you had a bigger mind or a higher IQ than the guy or the gal that was sitting beside you, it's over with, brother. He's bringing you down. So you might as well humble yourself to start with because you're going to be brought down anyway. And if you humble yourself to start with, then Yahweh will exalt you. What does the book of Yaakov say, James? That humble yourselves in the sight of Yahweh and He will lift you up higher and higher. Humble yourselves in the sight of Yahweh. This is what Mary's magnificent, as scholars call it, Mary's praise is all about. Read it. It's all about humiliation. Yahweh, you have chosen me, a girl from Nazareth. Out of all the Judahite, Israelite girls in the nation, you came to me through your angel, Gabriel, the same one that talked with Daniel, the prophet. You came to me and you said, highly favored art thou, young woman. Blessed art you. You're going to birth the Son of the Most High. Miriam remained lowly. Miriam and this is a figure of speech, but she would turn over in her grave if she knew what the Roman Catholic Church has done to her. As they kneel down, I remember we entered into this church that was built in San Antonio, Texas. The Roman Catholic Church built in the 1500s, I believe it was. It was a very strange feeling. It wasn't like this right here. It was just mainly just a building, a gathering. Oh, we had all kind of figures and statues and there right in the back was a picture of who they referred to as Jesus and he's hanging upon the cross in a loincloth. A crown of thorns upon his head. When we know that he's the resurrected king now. But they had these images and this guy, he just knelt down up there at the bench and he looked up at that figure. And then over here was a figure of Mary holding, as they say, the baby Jesus. He looked up at that figure and I stood behind him and I wondered how long is he going to do that, Tim? I didn't know. Fifteen minutes, I think, went by. Stood up there and looked. Mary would turn over in her grave. What are they doing? I'm not the co-mediator. I'm not the co-redeemer. I sin just like everybody else. She was a humble woman, a humble Israelite woman. She never exalted herself. She didn't think of herself as a co-messiah. Verse 53, he has satisfied the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. There's a natural to this verse, obviously, but there's also a spiritual to this verse. 
You think you know it all? You think you've got everything? I know some people, and they're not few and far between, that go to church, as they call it, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they have no increase in knowledge 50 years later than when they started out. Brothers and sisters, get off of the milk of the word. Hebrews says, at which time you ought to be teachers, you still have need that one teach you the elementary principles of Yahweh. For they that are still on the milk are unskillful in the word of righteousness, the author of Hebrews says. There is a time when you have to be fed the milk of the word in the early stages of your Christian life. But Yahweh says that you can even eat of the fruit of a natural tree at the fifth year. And if you apply that to the spiritual, if you're five years in regeneration, listen, you need to be learning some things. You need to be moving to higher heights and deeper depths. I'm so thankful that Yahweh is continuing to increase my knowledge and my wisdom in His Word. And I don't want to be at the same place ten years from now that I am right now. I don't. Because I'll tell you, I don't have everything figured out. I don't. I get boggled by the Scriptures almost on a daily basis. When I open up and I read and I run across a verse and I scratch my head and I think, Yahweh, what, are you trying to play a trick on me or something? I mean, you know, you think you have all the pieces to the puzzle. I was writing part of a book the other day and I thought I had everything pieced together. And all of a sudden I ran into another piece of information that I'd never seen. And it put a cog in the wheel. And I had to start back at the drawing board. Listen, he satisfies the hungry with good things, brothers and sisters. What does Yeshua say? Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. They will be filled. Look, you've not figured everything out. You're not obeying all the commandments of Yahweh. You don't know everything. You don't have theology and Christology and everything else all figured out. None of us do. We've got to stay hungry. We've got to stay thirsty for the Word. And He will satisfy you with good things. But the rich, those that think they've got it all figured out, they've got everything they need, they don't need to elevate their understanding, they don't need any more wisdom, they don't need you to teach them or tell them anything, He sends them away and He sends them away without anything. He sends them away empty. I think that's the spiritual meaning of this text. And there's a natural meaning as well too. It's a lot of time we're satisfied with natural riches. And what does the proverb say? Better is just a dry morsel in a house full of peace than the greatest feast in a house full of bickering and strife. And this is all that Miriam is saying here. He satisfies the hungry with good things. Listen, if you don't understand something in the Scriptures, you keep studying, you pray, and you ask Yahweh to give you an understanding. And He satisfies the hungry with good things. Verse 54, He has helped His servant Israel Mindful of His mercy. It is nonsensical, brothers and sisters, for anybody to say that Yahweh no longer has a plan for His people Israel under some kind of new covenant, as they say, dispensation. And I don't really like the word dispensation because I don't believe in dispensationalism. 
whereby this dispensation is full of law and this dispensation is full of grace. This dispensation is full of Israel. This dispensation is full of the church. I don't believe in all that. Israel, physical Israel, at least a remnant of those that obey the commandments of Yahweh and have the testimony of Yeshua the Messiah, they are the spiritual Israel. He has helped his servant Israel. Miriam recognized this. She knew that's who Yahweh was dealing with. And this has to be physical Israel because verse 55 says, just as he spoke to our ancestors, Yahweh has a special people that he loves more than anybody else on the face of the earth. I've explained it in the relationship that I have with my wife. I love my wife like I love nobody else on the face of the earth. That doesn't mean if you're a woman in the assembly, that doesn't mean I won't shake your hand and smile at you and say, hey, how are you doing, sister? But I do not love you like I love my wife. Right? You see that? Yahweh loves his people Israel. Why? Not because of anything they've done. He chose them. He chose them. And we need to believe that. Just as he spoke to our ancestors, to Abraham and his descendants forever. See at verse 54 where it says, mindful of his mercy. Through the birth of these two children, Yahweh is showing great mercy on the people of Israel. There was many in Israel that had transgressed, that had sinned. I mean, you look all through the writings of the Apocrypha and you see where there was a lot of bad things that were taking place. Some good guys, but a lot of bad things that were taking place. In the historical books, like of the Maccabees. I mean, there were some people that were even circumcised, Israelites, that were becoming uncircumcised. Now, that's a weird one. But it was happening. And they were doing it so that they could perform without any clothes on in the Olympic Games of the Greeks. A lot of things were going on in Israel. A lot of things. The birth of these two children were mercy upon the people of Israel. John the baptizer, Yohanan, the immerser, he was the forerunner of the greater child, Yeshua the Messiah. Through these two children, Yahweh was showing mercy to his people. Then it says in verse 56, And Mary stayed with her about three months, and then she returned to her home. She was so excited about what happened in her womb and what happened in her, I believe, Aunt Elizabeth's womb as well with her conception that she went there and stayed with her for three months, took care of her. They probably conversed, probably prayed together, recited scripture, probably sang together. Once again, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to hear everything that Miriam and Elizabeth talk about. So, I don't know when we'll get back into this text of Luke. It's a wonderful text. But next time we get to it, we'll begin at verse 57. So, if you get a chance, study verses 57 through 80. And next time we talk about it, you'll be a lot more prepared to receive the word of Yahweh. Do we, do we love Yahweh? How many is thankful for his scriptures? Let's stand and close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love, your mercy on your people Israel. To Abraham and his descendants, Father. Thank you for the conceptions that happened a long time ago. Father Yahweh, I get a big theme out of this text of humility and lowliness. A theme that is against pride a theme that is against braggadocious living. 
And Father Yahweh, I pray that it would not just be words that I preach, but I pray that it would be words that are part of my life. And I pray that it wouldn't just be words that the people here at the congregation hear, but I pray it would be part of their life, humble living, no reputation, taking the form of a servant, letting the mind of the Messiah be in them, not trying to seek for any prestige or fame, recognizing that the only reason they're able to walk is because you have graced them with the ability to move their two legs. And Yahweh, Father, I believe that if we have that mindset, you will do with us exactly what you want to do. You'll use us in a mighty way. And Father, when you do, as you used Miriam, in probably the most mightiest way that you could have ever used a human being, Father Yahweh, help us to stay humble and recognize it's because of your power that we are where we're at. Help us to encourage one another in fellowship as Miriam did Elizabeth. Let us remember that it is important that we fellowship with brothers and sisters in the faith. We keep one another encouraged, whether it's face-to-face, by way of telephone, through the Internet. I pray that we would continue to encourage the brothers and the sisters in the assembly of Yahweh here and in the assembly of Yahweh worldwide. I love you, Father Yahweh. We pray these things through your Son, Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.